You know, religion is one of those things where, for some of you, maybe you don't think of it as worldly. I mean, that, it's, it's really strange. Like, you know, I grew up and you would kind of, uh, you know, you were, had kind of this idea of what it means to be um, a good Christian boy, kind of. And uh, you thought that it was kind of like you believed in Jesus and you became a good Christian boy and you're good, you know? And you never really, if you, weren't, if you weren't like really careful or, I don't know, attuned to that, you kind of would think uh, that that's kind of the whole thing. And so it's a dangerous thing because you can be really worldly and be really religious. They, they really kind of, uh, they, they stand together. And I think in the prodigal son story, which I'm sure most of you have read, that's kind of where you end up. You come to the end and you say, there was this irreligious younger brother who's out living really wild. And there was this really religious brother at home living according to all the rules. And both of them needed the father. You know, and that, that's something you, and both of them had rejected the Father in their own way. And I think today you're kind of at this point where you're looking at this text and you realize that uh, the gospel came in and it probably came into, uh, there were people that you would call heathens, you know, out living kind of a wild life and there may have been some that had kind of grown up and they were going to church and all that stuff. The gospel comes in, it reshapes everything, and then behind the gospel is someone trying to push them back in to the molds, you know, of their former life. And so I think it's just important to say that when you get started, because it's something for all of us to say, you're always going to be drawn to that. In a way, religion is a, it makes things more simple for you. You know, you can simplify it down, you can put it on a note card, Say, I'm good, like, I feel really comfortable here. Religion does that. And religion helps you get really puffed up and allows you to look down on other people. And that's why you can sit around and say with your family, like, did you see what so-and-so was wearing? Did you see what they did? Did you see this? Did you see that? And you're mouthing off all the time because you have a religion, and your religion you live up to and they don't live up to, and so you can be puffed up and arrogant and put other people down and talk trash about them and all that kind of stuff. That's what religion does for you. That's what you'll see in Colossians. And so I think it's important that we see it. Sometimes it's going to be hard. It's difficult sometimes when uh, it's so close to Christianity, but it's not. That, that's what's tough. Counterfeits that are really good are hard to spot. Did you know that? Like That's just, I mean, I don't know. Somebody's really good at that. And if the enemy of your soul loves to build counterfeits that you'll hopefully believe in and rush into so that you'll be damned, he will do that. A lot of times people are really good at like, they think that, like, it's almost like that they can really see the world. for the You know, really see it? It's like, no, you can't really see it. Because the world, you can see aspects of it. Worldliness ungodliness, whatever. But um, the deeper things, the things that are harder to see are the things that are usually the most damning 
for a Christian culture, you know? And they're frightening. And uh, you will see it creeping up in your life. And you'll look and say, what really makes me mad about whatever? You'll be like, man, I'm seeing this in my life. So I think it's something to, to understand. And so that's where we're at today. We're in Colossians. We're saying that there are things lurking in the shadows. Now, another thing just to say is, like, if you are one of those people that like to measure up, you know, you will, and you're new to anything, any discipline, any kind of training, uh, and you want to measure up, then you're going to work vigorously to get there. And there will always be a bunch of people that are willing to take you to that place of measuring up their way, you know, kind of thing, their form, their whatever. There will always be people that will come and grab you and be like, this is what it means, this is what you've always been missing, you know. I'll get you on the fast track to, like, the greatest Christian ever. You're like, really? So I think that kind of was going down, you know. Still happens today. Um, You can YouTube it, you know, speed it up, speed your process up, whatever. What are those things called that where it's like learn how to do stuff really quick these days? Anybody? No, you can't remember? I don't know. They're like ways to be like, hey, you want to be able to fix your sink really quick? Do what? Yes, hacks. Yep, there you go. That's awesome. Life hack. Okay, cool. Uh, so there's always going to be those kind of people in the Christian world. So, Okay? All right, so let's look at this real quick. We're going to say, and I think it's just important that we see that, we understand that there's these things lurking in the shadows that are trying to take you back to the shadows, kind of, in a way. That's kind of something we'll see. But, uh, and what we want to know is just or remind ourselves is, is that you could be drawn away because there's something new and novel or something that promises kind of to speed up the process or whatever. And uh, that was going on. Those, the mystery religions and Greek thought kind of allowed you to grow into this spirituality, this kind of higher level. And then the other thing was, is there was uh, this, these, uh, rightly so, a lot of Old Testament stuff uh, with uh, rules and guidelines and those kind of things that if you weren't careful and you didn't know the Old Testament well and certainly didn't understand the teaching of the New Testament, you would say, oh, I want to revert back to that. I want to go back to something former. And Paul's going to deal with both of those. So you got kind of the thing going on in the Greek kind of way of thought of like these higher experiences and higher powers and getting to those and mediums and all that kind of stuff. And then you had kind of the Old Testament religion. If you weren't really familiar, again, somebody could take that and twist it and say, hey, you add that on with Jesus, you'll make sure that you're really good. Those are both kind of two things that are going on there. So today we're saying like, and and we've been thinking about this, but just kind of... uh, we, we want to say, last week we said, don't let somebody kidnap you. This week in the text, you'll see, don't let anyone condemn you and don't let anyone disqualify you. Jesus is everything you need. He's everything you need. So don't let those two things um, take place. And so um, just kind of as you're, as you're moving through, uh, we're going to look at, uh, and, and I had a, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he's, he says, uh, there's like, in his mind, this whole idea of don't let anyone condemn you is tied to the shadows and substance, and then uh, the disqualify you kind of thing is tied to this robber that's trying to steal away uh, what you have in Christ. And then the issue is, Paul's like, after you see that, he'll say, then why would you submit to these people? It's foolish. It's crazy. So, let's go. 
Don't let anyone condemn you or disqualify you. That's where we begin is condemn. And look at verse 16 and 17, and you'll kind of note these things. But I think it's, um, it's important. Uh, you could be really intimidated by the church and see all these church people if you're new here or you're new to Christianity, and you can kind of get this feeling of, oh, they're superior to me, and then they could speak to you and tell you about how to be really spiritual, and you could miss the boat uh, because you would be turning away from Christ. We always have to watch out for that. So look at verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So it starts with things that you would forbid, right? Notice that there, like these food and drink discussions are like, now you can't do this and you can't do that. And you, you may have people like that in your life where uh, with regard to food and drink, they told you exactly the way it ought to be. So they're, they're going to, um, there's going to be things forbidden here would be what they would do, these teachers. And secondly, there are things that they're going to demand. So it just kind of get that in your mind, help you see it. So the things that were forbidden here uh, probably goes back to Old Testament prohibitions, but it's probably a new form of the Old Testament prohibition. So somebody might say, hey, did you know in Leviticus, blah, 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 you can't eat this or whatever, go through all that stuff and say, now, let me just add on to that a little bit, and we'll go even further than what the Bible taught in the Old Testament and disregard the fact that in the New Testament, Old Peter sat down and the Lord told him, Arise, kill, and eat, and you could eat anything. Right? Disregarding all of that kind of thing. So these things that are forbidden are set before them. Now, we would just say, we believe in self-discipline here. We, we, would, we would tell you that. Like it's important to discipline yourself. The scripture teaches that. There are even times where Paul says, like, there's food and drink that you will not partake in because there's somebody that might be struggling with their old patterns of sins and old gods and there was some meat sacrificed to an idol and so you can't eat that meat and blah 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 you know there's times where Paul would kind of lay that out for us but in this case it seems like kind of you want to get to this high spirituality is what these leaders would say they'd come in and say you want to get there then uh, you can't you know eat this again even though the scriptures dealt with that another thing and just to kind of think about that is like so and you, again, you could have your own form of great southern Christianity that tells you exactly what you can eat and what you can drink. You can have like chicken fried steak. You can't have, you know, a certain alcoholic beverage, you know, or whatever it might be. And they'll have all these things and you're like, oh, I need Jesus plus chicken fried steak and no this, you know. I'm going to be at the highest level of spirituality, you know, and everybody's like, yes, you are, you know. It's like, you're so great. But anyway, okay. So you keep going, and you think um, the things that are required, the idea of like keeping festivals. Uh, this has the idea of like, a, it's kind of a summary of annual, monthly, and weekly celebrations. And again, um, going back to the Old Testament, there, there was kind of this deal of the Lord is Lord over all of life, the whole of life. And so what happens is, is like uh, the Lord does have things in the calendar for uh, the church. I mean, or for the Old Testament uh, people, they were to do certain feasts and festivals at all these different times of year. And then what happens is, is in this case, very likely, uh, they took some of that and said, remember, God's always been about the calendar, and they may have merged some of it together with pagan content. 
and uh, that, that may have been a case uh, there. Uh, but again, Old Testament kind of is the model, and yet at the same time, we'll pick up some of the treasures of the age that they lived in. It's probably likely what uh, many commentators would say is going on here. So, you've got the things that you're to forbid, no food and drink, the things that you demand, you've got to keep all of these celebrations. So, what's at stake? Look at verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, what he's going to do is, and, I, and again, you say, like, well, if it's the shadow, then is he talking about all Old Testament stuff? I, I, I don't know that that's the case. I think there may be, um, again, some adding together and formulating uh, different things. But, but I think it is important to say that the Lord is... This background in Hebrew understanding would be that there was the shadow land and then there's this entering into Christ in the fullness that comes through him, right? There, were the, there was the shadows and there's the reality. There were the shadows and there's now the substance. And so it's important to understand that. Just like if you were to say, you know what, when I see a shadow... Should you be frightened of the shadow? Well, I mean, you might say something like, yeah, I mean, I know what's coming behind the shadow. Of course I'd be frightened of the shadow. But the shadow itself, as Spurgeon said in one of his commentaries, the shadow of a dog can't bite. You know? In the same way, all the shadows and types of the Old Testament could not save. They could not ultimately save. They were all pointing to the Savior. You know? And so, when somebody would come into them and say all of these things you need to do or not do, it, it, there was God had uses for all of those things, but now He says, you have entered into the substance. That is Christ. The fullness. That is Christ. You can't fill out somebody's spiritual experience with shadows. You don't, why would you go back to that? It's like some people even today are looking for things that will, I mean, from a spiritual kind of thing, they're, they're looking for things to be reestablished by God with regard to temple, like the temple and stuff, like earthly temples. And you're like, wait, hold on just a second. Have we not entered into Christ as our temple? Is, is the final sacrifice not been made? Was the gospel not preached to both Jew and Gentile? Is it not that we have this heavenly temple now that we get to experience and understand? And the reality is, yes. So we're, why are we going back to the old? The new has come. And so we understand that, or understanding that, you say, all the shadow lands and all of that stuff, that's not the fullness that's not what you're looking for. That's not going to lead you to a higher place. That's not going to make your life all that it should be in Christ. In Him, all the fullness has been found. So, don't try to take me back to the shadows. I want to live, you could say, in the light of the sun. I want to be in the light of that. I want to see the fullness of that. I don't want to be in the darkness of the shadows. I want to see the reality. And he's saying, you've seen it. Don't let those 
people that are lying to you draw you back in. Just because they have the talk doesn't mean that they really understand. Jesus is the final prophet, the priest, the king. And you need to understand that and grasp that. All these old things, these old things that they might be pulling up and putting a new spin on them, they're not what you're looking for. He is what you're looking for. He is the hope that you need. He is the one that will fill your life. He is the one that will bring full assurance of faith. He is the one that will bring about a, a, a clean conscience. He is the one who will rescue you from eternal damnation. He is the hope. He is what you're looking for. Now, why would somebody go back to these kind of shadows of the past or even take them and like do what they wanted to with them? It might be for a desire to be like superior to others. I know all this stuff. I'm an expert in all of those things. Right? That might be thing. It might be false zeal. Like, man, if we work really hard and do all these things, God's going to accept us more. That might be kind of the thing. Um, it might be like a dissatisfaction, Lucas says, with spiritual or scriptural patterns. Sometimes, uh, for some people, that's boring, right? They want to go down a road that is interesting and finding really unique things. And Did you know this was in the Bible? You know, that kind of thing. You're like, uh, no, not don't think that's in the Bible you know but like you know just they're, they're into doing that they don't want to follow the pattern that the narrative that is being un, that is it has been unfolded for us and, and and Jesus being at the center of that uh, or it's like an exaggerated kind of spirituality it's just people like to find ways to do that um, for some people the Christian life seems too simple you know it, it, the reality is, is when it's really lived out, it requires a lot of you. You know, it, it really does. Um, but for some people, it seems like it would be easier to follow like strange little like details of things and pull all this stuff together because that's a lot easier than like living that mundane life of like loving your wife, submitting to your husband, training your children going to work, gathering with the church, reading your Bible, praying, like things like that. Th those things kind of get all, you know, they're not really fantastical kind of things. Those are like simple plotting kind of things. And they're just, eh, you know, for some people that's just not, they, they're looking for something else. And there's always somebody to answer, you know. So, you don't want anybody to condemn you. Don't let them take you away from the substance of Christ. And then also, don't let them like try to disqualify you. I mean, they, they really are. There's like, there are these kind of robbers of the joy that you can have in Christ. And Christians have the great privilege of sharing in the inheritance of the saints of light, the Scripture says. You don't want let somebody to to lead you away from that. These people are running well, and it's almost like, I think the way I read it was like, somebody says, like, there, there are these umpires and refs with their new set of rules, 
their perversions, who are saying to someone young who's running the race, no, that was wrong. You're out of bounds. Go this way. And they're going to do that kind of stuff. And these self-proclaimed like umpires and refs will lead you away from the faith with all their rules that they made up for their own glory. And there will be kind of this condemnation and this feeling of I'm disqualified. That they're blowing the whistle and say, he's out. So what does this person or persons look like? He says, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in details about visions. Now this is interesting. Like, I probably wouldn't have ever used the word asceticism unless I studied theology and different things like that. I probably would, You would be like, oh yeah, totally, I know that. And maybe I would learn it eventually. That's the idea of like kind of self-denial in a way, like an ascetic life would be denying yourself of things. The worship of angels here, we'll kind of talk about that here in a minute, but just thinking in terms of this, these, um, you know, there's these things of like kind of great zeal. There are people sometimes even that you'll read about in church history where you're, where you're like, people will say, man, they were committed. They were committed to Jesus, you know, kind of thing. You're like, what does that mean? Well, they fasted for 30 days straight, you know. No water. I'm like, no water? I don't think that works, you know. They're not Jesus, you know. But, I mean, there are these people that will kind of exaggerate kind of a spirituality and kind of almost like uh, talk about this higher spiritual experience. And you'll be like, man, i got to get some of that. For some personalities, really drawn to it. And I think, again, fasting's not wrong, but it's it's this kind of, this desire to kind of lead to this higher spiritual plane of experience in your own effort with your own flesh. It's kind of the idea, you know? And so I think it's important that we understand that. It's, it's, that's kind of what's going on here. It's a way, in, in a way, of like feeding your fleshliness by setting yourself apart in this certain way. It's, it's such a strange thing. You think, wait, they're pushing away the flesh, the cravings, while at the same time boasting. It, it's a really odd thing. I don't know, it's a struggle. But anyway, and then with regard to the worship of angels, you could be urged to kind of like, that. we don't know if this is like venerating angels where you're worshiping angels or trying to, follow their conduct and worship somehow, like get up into the heavenly places with the angels, do what they're doing, would be the kind of thing. And somebody like given to like the Lord telling them this, visions, I've seen this, I've experienced this, you're like, what? Are you serious? Like you've had that kind of experience? Yes, every Friday night, you know, it happens to me, you know. And so it's like, and people get drawn into that. There's a lot of that in this region where God's speaking to me. God's taking me here. God's leading me to this place of like higher spirituality. All that stuff is very common. There, there, it's very common. And, uh, and it and it's actually grows rapidly uh, in certain parts. Or really in a, the American church has grown rapidly in that way. You know? Because it promises these 
insane experiences. And what you'll find is the experiences will be central or the asceticism, like setting your part, consecrating yourself, that will be central. And guess who gets left out? Christ. I mean, that's crazy. You think it's not common. You, you don't really understand. It's very common. It's all around. It is all around. And it is, it's lurking in the shadows of your heart. It, I mean, it just is. So the ground of this kind of person's authority that's kind of doing all this stuff, like, is, is there... Um, their systems and, and kind of maybe their dreams, their visions. They're, they're, they're grounded in, and that's one of the hardest things to discuss with somebody. Be like, God told me this. Be like, what? Really? Like, the canon's not closed? You know? But I mean, but when somebody says that, what do you say? God didn't tell you that. Like, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, it's like, well, God told you this, and then, like, next week, God told them something else, and it's, God told me that God did this, God showed me this, God, and you start, and it's like, that's, there's a, dang, there, I mean, there's a real danger there when, when people speak of that almost as if God is literally speaking to them, and then nobody can say anything, or somebody that's young in the faith might be like, man, God's never spoken to me that way, you know? Like, Paul went up into the third heaven, an apostle, you know, the unique thing, and he didn't even speak of it, you know? And so, it, it's just, I don't know, we have to really be careful there. I mean, Jesus spoke of people who, like, where Jesus would say, I've seen my Father, and I've heard from the Father, and he says, hey, uh, you religious people, you've heard from your Father, too. He's the devil, you know, I mean, so I think it's important that we understand that there are some dangers here and we need to understand that behind all man-made religion is their father, the devil. Behind everything man-made, not God-made, you know, not his word, not Christ-centered, not Christ-exalting, but behind man-made religion where people are saying like, look, if you can be disciplined enough, or they're saying something like, if you can have this high enough experience or whatever, behind all of that is the one who wants to put next to Christianity a counterfeit so that you'll dive in with it. You know? Dive deeper into it. And be damned by it. That, that's kind of what's going on in that small young town with young Christians. And so anyway, I think we have to, to see that. Now, what's the root of it? Uh, here's the deal. They're puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. Uh, by a sensuous mind. The, the, the idea of this person here, uh, you know, again, or persons, uh, they're loaded up with pride. They're filled with this insider knowledge. They can come to the church. They're full of hot air. They've craved after these experiential things. They're craving them. They hunger for... I mean, it just blows my mind when you'll say, like, a church will be centered on, like, come experience it, you know? But it's almost like, it's, it's, it's like a, something in that is, is almost like you're craving, it's this worldly desire, this longing in your heart to experience something fantastic, you know? And uh, you want to go to the next show, come experience 
that. It's not, this is not a spiritual mind. This is an earthly mind. So, um, verse 19, as you continue, just kind of think about this. They are not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grow with the growth that is from God. So if you come up with worldly ways to get to God and you reject Jesus, you are cutting yourself off from the life source. You're cutting yourself off from nutrition. You're cutting yourself off from those things that will bring uh, life to you hope to you, security to you, forgiveness to you, unity to you. All of those things that, that, that make someone grow up in the Lord, you're cutting yourself off from that. Lucas says, All nourishment comes from Christ the head and is dispersed to and available for every sinew and every ligament. The local church can grow only as each member or part holds fast to the head, thus every part receives from Christ the strength and life it supplies to the whole. So it's just, it's important, I think, to understand that and to see that. So I, I think there's two truths that come out of that. You are to hold fast to Christ, and the other one is neglect those things that would lead you away from Him. For full like assurance and full hope and growth and maturity, they don't need to listen to those visitors but really they're to, like, to, to press into each other. That, that's the idea. They're, they're to, to, they need to run together as one band, as Ephesians 4 says, like you have these gifts within the body, and each piece of the body working together becomes one whole man. So like draw together, hold fast to the head, put your hope and trust in Christ, and move forward. That's kind of that's the picture here. So then Paul like says, okay, so really, you need to ask the question, why would I submit to these crazy teachings? That, that, that's where he comes to. Why would you submit to those things? These people, look at this. I mean, I think it's important to see in verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these regulations? So he's saying, like, these people are not freeing you from the world. They are binding you to it. They are binding you to the world with their religion of the world. They are binding you to the world. They are dominated by the elemental spirits of the world, and they're, they're like kind of drawing you close to that. The prince of the world will seek to establish in you there a worldliness that will like give you a lot of spiritual activity but will not lead you to Christ. It will lead you away from Him. He is building counterfeit after counterfeit after counterfeit. Again, I just, I really can't tell you, like when you, okay, so like if the content of one year's worth of teaching here at this church was meeting every one of your felt needs, it would be carnal preaching. Do you understand that? Christless, carnal, sinful, rebellious teaching. Teaching that teaches you to have confidence in your flesh. Teaching that would teach you how to be the best you you could be. And it's not, 
this is important to say. It's not those people that people call out and be like, that TV preacher, he says stuff like that all the time. It is normal. It is normative in this area, in our country, to hear people say, what do people want to listen to and hear about? They want to hear about how to have a better life. It, that's normal. And so there's this, these, you know, 52 sermons in a year will address every one of the areas that they really want fixed. And we will build a carnal, fleshly, sinful religion that will have a form of Christianity, but deny it. It's so common. It's so dangerous. It's so deceptive. And it's lurking in the shadows of our hearts. It's not something we easily get away from. It's something we must war against. The other thing is he speaks of like, he says these people aren't free from the law. Look at verse 20 and 21. You died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these regulations? Now again, law is a bit, we had to kind of go into that. We're not going to, but just to think in terms of their standards that they're bringing before them. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Again, some form of probably picking up some of the old covenant things and bringing it to the fore and adding stuff to it. And these people, they're binding you to something that is earthly, not leading you to the heavenly Christ who has fulfilled in every way, every regulation from God. And is not to be brought back to that again. You keep going in verse 22 and 23. And this, this is kind of the last little... It, it, it's like these people are bound to their flesh rather than free from it. And again, we could have a long discussion about it, but just uh, they're living according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In their rigid work against the rules, like they're living this thing and they're, they're like beating their body into submission by all these standards that they have created in all of that stuff, it is a form of self-love. It is a self-loving religion. It is a self-exalting religion. It is a, a way of obtaining relationship with God or gaining acceptance with God by religion. By, by you doing it. it, it it's, it's, a, it's really, it's, it's such an odd thing. And you read about it in church history. There were people that wanted to like get themselves away from the world. And so they would, you know, they even made poles like 60 feet in the air and would set up there and people would send them food up. You know, uh, monks and different things that they came up with all these different things to kind of like restrain the flesh. And yet then they're kind of like, venerated in some way for what they did it's like a it's it's such a weird deal and you and what happened was they built one guy built a 20-foot pole the next one a 30 and then the guy gets to 60 right that's how religion works that's how religion works you begin to compete against one another and you begin you're turning away from the very thing that you you're saying you're trying to get away from you're turning into it i guess you could say and people will starve their physical bodies and do all kinds of things to try to increase their spiritual experience instead of just moving in and trusting in and following after the Lord Jesus Christ. So, 
what do we do? I think we just have to say there's, a da- there's dangerous worldly religions um, and, and even, even su- southern dangerous worldly religions. And in that, when you have that around you, it's kind of crying out. You understand that the, the enemy of your soul would love to build a counterfeit that fit what you thought religion ought to be. Good God fear and religion ought to be. They'll put that right beside it. And if you're not careful, you will begin to move away from Christ and you will begin to inflate yourself and you will begin to exalt yourself and rejoice in yourself and rejoice in all your friends that think like you. And, you know, and ultimately you'll lead yourself away from the one who, where true joy and true hope and true fullness is found. If you're not careful, you'll raise up a group of Pharisee children just like that. And you know what? Like Jesus said, you'll make them twice the sons of hell because you'll take them from irreligion to religion and never lead them to Jesus. And you will lead them to a a place where there will be no hope, no forgiveness, no fulfillment in Christ, no security, no stability. And so what we need to pray is, Lord, let us draw near to the throne of grace. Let us be helped by your grace to see Christ in him sufficient and rest in him. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would move in us. We know how easily we could fall prey to things that are earthly and worldly, that look so clean and orderly. May we watch ourselves Watch our doctrine. Watch our teaching. Watch our own hearts. Watch each other's hearts. In Christ's name, amen.